0: This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com.
1: This is a pleasure. I get to talk to a pro football hall of fame. He played middle linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, Willie Lanier. How are you doing, Mr. Lanier? I'm doing well. David, how are you? Great. I see you went to Morgan State. Were a lot of schools recruiting you back then, or was Morgan State your choice?
0: Well, a lot of historically black colleges were recruiting at that time the our uh, traditional major white colleges in the South were not recruiting uh, blacks or African-Americans at all. And some of the schools to the north and west uh, would recruit, but more as they would define skilled position, quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers, not quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers is where many of them were recruiting, but um, very few at all were recruiting linebackers, especially inside linebackers at that time.
2: So why did you choose Morgan State then?
0: Well, I had interest from some of the other historical black colleges in the Virginia and Maryland area and uh, decided that I was going to go to Virginia State initially, but I felt it was too close to Richmond and too close into the deep south, not as if though Maryland was a great distance away, but being a little bit further north was something I thought was important. So I reached out to the coach up there, and that's how I ended up going to school there.
1: Did Eddie Robinson try to recruit you uh, at Grambling?
0: No, it wasn't as if, though, I was this very well-known, great high school football player. Uh, my skills were developing and starting to present themselves, but uh, my size also didn't start to flower until I uh, finished my senior year of high school and was getting ready to go to college. So it wasn't as though I was this... Um, very, very well-known uh, recruits across the country.
2: And being at Morgan State, similarly, I would think it would be difficult to become well-known at at your basic historically-backed college.
0: Well, Morgan had a very good team at that time, and they were constantly winning and going to bowl games. So their teams, Leroy Kelly attended Morgan. He was there my first year. Um, they had a number of players who would go to the pros, Raymond Chesters from Morgan, uh, myself, Mark Washington, played with Dallas. There were a number of fellows, uh, George Knock, Richard Foucault with Pittsburgh. So a number of fellows whose skills happened to be showing themselves, and the school ended up playing in three bowl games. That four years I was there, uh, I had a 34-game winning streak, first last two that I was there, and the next two afterwards. So, uh, they had a lot going for it, and therefore its notoriety and notice was uh, pronounced.
1: When you got drafted by the Chiefs in '67, were any of the NFL teams after you then?
0: Uh, no. I think the reality was that the position of the linebacker was not being manned by African-Americans. So it wasn't one that teams in the old, quote, American National Football League were interested in. The American Football League had become a haven of opportunity for players from historic black colleges as well as a position that prior to that had not been played by full-time by someone who was African-American.
2: Coming into training camp, did Hank Stram make it clear that you would have the opportunity to play middle linebacker?
0: Well, I was drafted for that position. Uh, Jim Lynch was the other second-round draft choice, and he was drafted for the position. They were looking to replace Cheryl Hetrick, who was a veteran, a middle linebacker but he was aging and didn't have the very big physical stature so it was clear that the opportunity and competition was going to be had and not one that there would be a view toward any other position other than that one
1: so were you and uh mr lynch both competing to be the middle linebacker and one would be the outside linebacker or were you that first
0: you were both competing to be the middle mm-hmm.
1: and then whoever lost the competition would end up going on the outside with bobby bell on the other side well, it wasn't really defined at that time.
0: It was one that uh, we were both drafted as middle linebackers, which is what we played in college. And the competition was going to be that of uh, playing for that position. And uh, that's just the way it, it turned out. I ended up being injured the last four games of my rookie year. But I think Jim was playing but not starting uh, at that time. So he ended up stepping into the middle the last uh, few games of my rookie year, and then we sort of did it all again next year, uh, going at it as far as position as I then was acknowledged as the starter, and then they shifted the Jim to the outside.
2: At any point, were you able to step back and say, I'm the first black middle linebacker in uh, in pro football?
0: No, no, didn't quite have time. Games keep coming too fast. Performances are too required you have a whole lot of work to do. So uh I think the reality obviously was already there. We knew the significance of that, but you are performance-based. You're trying to win games. You're trying to have others look to you for leadership. So you're trying to show that, yes, you can play. And anybody who was given opportunity, a clear opportunity, regardless where they was, were from, possibly could have played. But it was just good that it worked out in Kansas City.
1: Did you have the support of your teammates, basically, or did they want to see Jim Lynch be the middle linebacker?
0: I think the team coming off of having lost to Green Bay in the Super Bowl were interested in winning. And whichever one of us could help them win quickest was the one that they were going to probably react to. And Jim and I became great friends, and I was in Kansas City only a week ago, and he and I had lunch together, and we've known each other for years and very close. Uh, He was re a realist in that I was a more physical player than he was. So the odds of that position being viewed a little bit differently was probably not going to be in his favor anyway.
2: How soon did you know that you had what it took to be successful in the AFL with the Chiefs?
0: It was kind of interesting. It wasn't anything about getting to Kansas City and really playing the game uh with other players. I was six foot one I was six foot one, two and forty five pounds and had very good quickness upper body strength. So one of my college classmates was being recruited by the Washington Redskins and he went over to the Redskins facility and I went with him. They weren't recruiting me, they were recruiting him. And after we were leaving the field in the bowels of the stadium, I ended up meeting Sam Huff. And I saw Sam, I shook his hand, but he didn't realize who I was. I was a college student. But he was this reigning, well-known middle linebacker in pro football. So as I shook Sam's hand, and I told him the story. I looked at his height. He was no taller. I looked at his build. He was not as broad in the shoulders, didn't appear as physical as I felt I was. And I had this very clear view and this is a positive about Sam, and not a negative in any way. If he could play, and now I'm standing in front of a guy who's a middle linebacker in the National Football League, there should not be any reason why I can't play. Because I had some scouts saying they thought I might be too short, and all these different kind of comments. And I'm looking, wait a minute, I'm looking at the guy who is very well known, starting middle linebacker, Pro Bowl player, and that was sort of a marker for me in terms of confidence. Of have having the opportunity.
1: What was Hank Stram like as a football coach?
0: Very innovative, very competitive, as you see on NFL films. Uh, one who had a reach of excellence that was important to him. Uh, one who always strived for trying to create an environment uh, that you could excel and hopefully show the talents that God had gifted you uh, together.
2: Is there one specific tackle
1: that you made that stands out in your mind?
0: <laughs> no, not really. It's too many of those
1: things. <laughs> <clears throat> when you went back to this, when the Chiefs went back to the Super Bowl in Super Bowl Four, you're with the team. What was that like? Well, really, it
0: was it was like another game because the game was one week after the championship game, and all of the games that run one week after another. There was no gap of two weeks from the championship game to the Super Bowl, so. It was another game that occurred in a round-robin elimination at the end of the season. We played the Jets in New York a week, two weeks before, gone out to Oakland the next week, played them in the championship. The next week, we're in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. So this thing had a very fast East Coast, West Coast, Gulf Coast run, and you found yourself constantly in preparation for the next game that had to be played in the string, and the whole idea was to be the last one standing. So it moved very quickly, but I think with it moving quickly, uh, it didn't give you a chance to try to focus on it, it as being more than what it was.
2: Did Stram not build up the Super Bowl? Or I assume there were enough players who had been on the team that lost that had an inkling of what the game was like and, and sort of what it meant the league.
0: Well, I don't think we got into all of that. The reality was that the two teams that were there at that moment were the Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings. Uh, for many of us who were not there for the first Super Bowl that they lost, it didn't really mean anything if they had lost it. We didn't feel it. We weren't there. We weren't a part of it. So the players who had come after uh, that season uh, were all in their moment and their opportunity to play out whatever the reality would be that day as it had been all season. So it wasn't, in my view or memory, one that was a great look back, but one that was of the opportunity of the moment, and you wanted to seize it and come away with an opportunity that could rest in time as it has.
1: When you beat the Jets in that divisional playoff game, a lot has been said about that goal line stand, that you were the reason that the Jets didn't score. Did you give that great of a pep talk?
0: Well, I think I did. <laughs> it was it, it, it becomes one of opportunity and action and being accountable. And I think in saying those words that quickly, as you could see that the team because it was interference penalty on Emmitt Thomas, who's now coaching with the Chiefs, uh, and it's in the end zone, so then they have first and goal at the one. So you realize you're trying to get the guys to lift their heads, not feel in being a concession, and try to get them to perform at a little bit higher level, but. In doing that, I realized very quickly that words without action don't mean anything. So my thought was that the Jets were going to have to go on a shorter count because their risk of being offside so in motion is a 500% penalty. They go from the one to the five. But if I'm offside, they only go to the half-yard line. So that's 50%. So the odds are completely on my favor, even if I'm offside. So I decided that whatever play, if Joe didn't go on the first count, he had to go on second. So all I would do is turn sideways or step in between the guard and the center and try to disrupt. And that's what happened. So then after that occurred, then everyone else was more livid and viewed the opportunity as being more clear. And then everybody really came to life, and we were able to stop them and uh, that made a difference in the game.
2: At what point did you earn the nickname Contact?
0: Jerry May you started calling me that the first year I came to Kansas City because I was improperly tackling people, and I'll say it like that, uh, with the crown of your head and trying to crush people. So after that, uh, that next year, Honey Bear became the name because it became one of wrapping people up, and I, I put that Contact thing to rest because I wouldn't have survived uh, three years in the league if I continued to try to play like that.
1: I wish the players of today would follow your lead and quit using the head, but a lot of them use that head, uh, helmet as a weapon.
0: Well, I'm on this player safety panel, and we talk about that a lot, and I'm able to offer some of my own view about that. Uh, so uh, we continue to try to get the individual to understand any blow to the head that you don't have to take, you shouldn't take it. So that becomes a continuing effort that goes on uh, each year.
2: Who was who the best running back you ever played against?
0: I don't really have a a view of that. I played against some of of the uh, peers: uh, Simpson and Peyton, and uh, were the two that I think of the most. But not any, not one, because the skills requirements are different. Zonga was the most powerful in this style of play.
1: How did you feel when you found out you were going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame?
0: Well, it's a hard-to-describe feeling of a recognition that you don't, well, I didn't play each game or each season with a long-term view of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You were near-term and trying to win the game, trying to win a division title, trying to win or get into the playoffs. If you were fortunate Play well enough to get to the Pro Bowl from an individual standpoint. But the Hall of Fame was not something that ever entered my mind during the time I was playing. I was not playing for that. I was playing for all these other purposes. So once the call came to Richmond and the recognition it was in my third year of eligibility, it's a overwhelming thank you, God, because you had been granted the opportunity to play long enough because you need longevity with a quality team that had some success and um, very few injuries because you have to have that, again, with longevity, and it's there. So it's a very momentous moment, but one that uh, you never forget because of the clarity of it.
2: If the Chiefs hadn't traded you away, do you think you would have kept playing? Say what? If the Chiefs hadn't traded you to Baltimore?
0: Well, that was my decision toward the end of the year of career because I had moved to the East Coast and I started working with a tobacco company. I was trying to leave the game two years before that. So that was not really anything on their end. That all came on my hand uh, because I was in between the thought of whether I would play or not play. So uh, with my having moved and my not being sure whether I would continue again, is the only reason that whole Baltimore thing worked out. So uh, that was nothing on their hand. That was my uh, question, and my heart was not in it. So I decided not to go forward. But, again, it had nothing to do with Kansas City.
1: What was your favorite moment in your career? Mm, mm,
0: That takes a lot of thought. Favorite moment. Hmm. The one I just think of, which had nothing to do with winning a game, but it was the essence of the game. The Chiefs opened Arrowhead Stadium in 1972. The Baltimore Colts was, I think, the first preseason game to be played at Arrowhead Stadium. I knew the Colt players because they were in Baltimore. Some of them would come by Morgan to talk to us about expectations. Um... If you were to make it to the pros, sometimes they would just come by to watch games. So I knew many of them, black guys, Tony Lark, Willie Richardson, um, Jim Parker, Tom Maddy, Unitas. We knew them. So that was a game that NFL had me wired for sound in that game, and it was a swing pass from United to Tommy, Tom Maddy over the middle and he came over the middle, he reached up for the ball, and I hit him with a tremendous tackle in his ribs. Uh, I know him, and I'm not trying to hurt him. I'm trying to make a great play, which I thought I did. He hit the ground on his back. I'm on top of him, and he says, I caught the ball. And I'm saying, no, you didn't, because I hit I felt I hit him with this great tackle. And then he shows me the ball, and you can hear me laughing. Um, I'm mentioning that because, in trying to figure out how to answer that question, the game is one that should be played for the joy of the game. And it has nothing to do with anger. It has nothing to do with harm. It has to do with the quality and the joy of the contest. So if individuals play it that way, they come away from it with a different view and I think a a different approach to the way the game should be played
2: it sounds like you enjoyed playing the game
0: most of the time as long as i could stay away from coaches who had a different view and many did unfortunately and that would create conflicts at times because as i'm saying the game should be played for joy and not anger but you have a lot of people who don't quite grasp that when the game is over it's over as a game
2: very fascinating time with willie lanier When we come back next after this brief break, we will have Eric Dickerson. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.